Our scripture reading tonight is found on page 1234, uh, easy enough number, 1234 uh, of the Pew Bibles. We're looking at Revelation chapter 2, reading from verse 18. So Revelation chapter 2, reading from verse 18. To the church, or to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering and will make those who commit adultery with her intensely unless they repent of her, of her ways. I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any burden, other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes, and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And may the Lord bless his word to us. In our prayers for others tonight, we're going to pray for Neil MacDougall, who is in Rwanda at the moment, and we'll have a chance to visit Gilgal uh, Church, in whom we have a partnership here with in, in uh, Bloomfield. So let's join together in prayer as we pray for Neil and other things uh, tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the giver of life that every human being has dignity and respect because they are made in your image, in the image of God himself. Lord, we pray for the many women who find themselves in stressful and difficult situations when it comes to a crisis pregnancy for whatever reason. Father, we pray for the ongoing protection of the unborn child, for the rights of women. And Father, our prayer is that these wouldn't be mutually exclusive we pray for those who are scared, who are worried and stressed, that they will find peace and help and good counsel. We pray that your will will be done with regards to laws and protection. And we pray for us as a local church that we would be compassionate, loving and prayerful, and yet active as well as we seek to support and encourage people in the giving of life itself. Father, we pray and confess we have many failings. We have said many things that are wrong in this area of protecting life. And we just pray, Father, that you will continue to mold and shape your people so that they will be champions 
for the giving of life because, Lord, you are the giver of life. Lord, tonight we pray for Neil MacDougall as he travels around Rwanda with others and we pray for his safety. We pray for his time in Gilgal Church. May it cement the relationships that have been built there with that church over the last few months, particularly and even years. May it be an encouragement to Neil and the church family there. And may, Lord, they have good safety as they travel around and be encouraged as they see the work of God in that country, we pray. Father, we think of Helen tonight in Japan. We think of the Cochrans. We think of Simone as well. And Father, we lift to all our missionary families who are overseas and we pray for them tonight that they will know the presence of God and that they will be aware of the saints here praying for them as they continue to make Jesus known. Lord, continue to be with them. Meet their physical and spiritual needs, we pray. And may they know that we as a church have been supporting them and encouraging them. We pray tonight particularly for Chris Simpson, our Simons, as, as tomorrow he begins a week of mission as speaker at the Staffordshire uh, Christian Union Mission Week. Lord, we pray that these Christian students would have courage to invite friends along to these different events and meals over the week. We pray that those who do come will hear you speak to them and be drawn to yourself, we pray. And Father, what we pray for those students in England, we pray for all our students that have gone out from our church here. Lord, have your hand upon their lives. Help them to walk with you at college and may you use them as your witness to tell others about Jesus for the uplifting of your own name. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, before the service, I found a card in my pigeonhole, and I want to read it. Uh, it says, thank you, it's a thank you card. It's from somebody I've never heard of called uh, Vino, V-I-N-O, Michel, Michael, I can't quite read his name, but he, he begins, Dear Bloomfield Church family, it is a blessing to meet Simone Pester from your church and join her in this journey with a mission. I thank you all for the support and prayers to Simone, which has made her be a blessing to many of us, and I'm sure she'll carry this light into Nepal. Now, isn't that wonderful? Uh, uh, an OMer, English isn't his first language, I think, from uh, the way he phrases things, though they're perfectly intelligible. But he's thanking us for Simone and the encouragement which Simone is to him and those others who are working with her. It, it has stimulated me to write an email. Now, it takes a lot to stimulate me to write an email. But just to email her and uh, to uh, just encourage her with this, which has encouraged us, at least encouraged me, and I'm sure not only me uh, so much. Now, turn please to Revelation chapter 2 uh, and verse 18. And we'll pray. Lord, we have sung that the Holy Spirit 
is the one who sends revival. He is also the one who inspires thought, gives understanding, and stimulates response. May he speak to all of us this night in word and as we gather round the table to uplift the Lord Jesus, to instruct those who seek to follow him, to encourage them and lead them forward, and to challenge those without the Lord that they too may join this wonderful host in heaven and on earth. Glory be to your name, O Lord. Amen. Turning to the letter to the church at uh, Thyatira reminds me of an embarrassing moment. Uh, I was introduced to this woman in Fourth Londrina, which was the church where we worshipped and served in Brazil. And she is the only person I have ever met whose name was one of the seven churches. You have, I guess you have never met anyone like that. She was the only one I have ever met. And next week, sure enough, she was back at church and I showed off that I was remembering and I said to her, it's lovely to see you, Tia Tira. And uh, she said, no, I'm Laodicea. <laughs> I've got the wrong church. Uh, well, we're, we're not in Laodicea or Laodicea, as we normally pronounce it in English. We're in Tiatera, as uh, Damien does from Kilkenny. That's how they do it in Kilkenny, or Thyatara, as I happen to do it. And he asked me beforehand, what's the right way? And the answer is, there isn't a right way, so we just pronounce them. This is the fourth of the seven letters. And by now we're beginning to feel the, the, the kind of structure which is common to these letters. They all follow the same kind of structure. They begin with uh, the, uh, to the angel, the address, to the angel, to the church at, wherever it is, Laodicea, Thyatira, Pergamum, Ephesus, whichever. And then that is followed by, uh, these are the words of. And then there's a description of the Lord Jesus, which is uh, usually taken from the wonderful vision we have of him in chapter 1. Some item of that vision is picked up and uh, repeated in this letter, and a different item normally is picked, picked up in the next letter. That's just the way it is organized. And then you get a, a commendation. I know your works, usually, but in one of them it says, I know where you live. In another one it says, I know um, your suffering. So, and it, it, it goes with a commendation. And then there is 
but I have this against you. Now, that isn't one or two of the churches don't have anything against them, and they're just encouraged to carry on. But most of them have something against them, and Thyatira falls into uh, that category. Then, uh, in this epistle, in verse 24 and following, there's a, the charge to those who haven't fallen into the errors and sin of most of the church. Uh, and then there's a, a promise of to the one who overcomes, and then the concluding formula, he who has an ear, let him hear. Now, they, most of them follow that kind of pattern. The, the only reflection I have on that is you get a commendation before you get a condemnation. And I, I thought a bit about that, and it, I've decided if anyone... Uh, says to me, uh, do you want the good news or the bad news? I think you give the commendation before the condemnation. You always encourage before you say, but there are one or two little things that, you know, bringing up the nevertheless. Always give the good news first. I haven't always done that in the past, I confess. And even at my stage in life, I'm still up for a change. Okay. The other thing I want to say by way of introduction to all of the letters is that they, the, the writer, our Lord, usually makes some kind of uh, contact with the local circumstances to which he's writing. Uh, in in the, the, the uh, last one to Laodicea, he talks about uh, you, you, uh, you purchase eye salve that you may see. And I suspect it's no coincidence that there was a thriving pharmaceutical industry in Laodicea that was producing eye salve, ointment for the eyes. And the writer is, a, is applying that, if you like, metaphorically to spiritual sight. I was thinking about that. We, we get it here in verse uh, 18 at the very beginning. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like a blazing fire. And that's just really coming from uh, chapter 1, verse 13, although there it is to uh, the Son of Man. But we saw when we were looking at chapter 1 that the title Son of Man isn't, doesn't stress our Lord's humanity. Uh, other titles do that, but the Son of Man from Daniel is a heavenly figure. And here uh, uh, our Lord uh, takes it further, uh, and the, his title is Son of God. But whose feet are like burnished bronze. And this may well be uh, a reference to uh, copper smelting, which was very uh, strong in that area. I, I thought I would just uh, do a, a little introduction to uh, the local circumstances in Bloomfield to give you uh, a kind of feel of what is going on here. Uh, I know your works and how you proved faithful, this is to Bloomfield from, well, it's, it's made up, but I hope you get the picture. Uh, I know your works. Uh, uh, 
<clears throat> of how you proved faithful in the face of many troubles and of your determination to maintain a strong ship for your soul, but be careful of the direction of your life lest you strike the iceberg of haste and excess. Can you get the references? Troubles could have a capital T or a small t, iceberg and all of that. Well, you know where I'm, where I'm coming from. You get that kind of reference in these letters. And uh, uh, some relatives of mine were at the Port Stewart Convention last summer and there was uh, uh, an English preacher whom I'd never heard of uh, expounding these passages and he started with a description of each of the towns, the cities, and then showed how that, how that influenced the, the descriptions and so on. And my relatives thought it was superb and they weren't the only ones. So there you are. That keeps me humble when you get my, uh, what I have to say. But okay, let, let's turn to it. The sender, the son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. And I was pleased Damien picked up this picture. Was it in your prayer? Uh, where immediately at the start, we recognize that the one with whom we have to deal is the one who sees everything from whom nothing is hidden, whose feet are like burnished bronze. That's probably a picture of strength and power. Uh, one of the visions in the Old Testament, uh, talking about a, a pagan idol, said it had feet of clay and collapsed. But our Lord has feet of burnished bronze, stable, firm, who knows everything. And as we come to the Lord's table, that should make us humble and ready to acknowledge our own faults. But then he goes on, first of all, to his commendation. I know your deeds, your works. And then he describes them. Verse 19, this is, your love and faith your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Now, this crowd, this congregation, were doing very well, very well. One of the writers refers to uh, deeds. Uh, th this church rivaled Ephesus in its busy Christian service, had the love which Ephesus didn't have. Remember Ephesus, you've left your first love. Persevered, uh, preserved the faith what, what, that was imperiled in the letter to the church at Pergamon. Shared with Smyrna, one of the two churches that isn't subject to any criticism, uh, the patient endurance in the time of tribulation and persecution and was getting better and better, was 
progressing. How does it say? Uh, And that you are now doing more than you did at first. This church, spiritually, was doing very well. Nevertheless, nevertheless, after the the, the commendation, we have this criticism. And what's it about? Verses 20 to 23. Well, he, he picks up a figure from the Old Testament. He had already done this in the, to the church at Pergamum, where he picks up the figure of Balaam uh, and Balak. Here he picks up uh, an, another figure, female this time, Jezebel. Now, we all know, well, I hope we don't know, but we know of Jezebel, right? Um, I am immediately showing my age, go back to, to what do you call him? Uh, well, Tom Jones, didn't he sing about Jezebel? What? Delilah, who sang about Jezebel? Jezebel, it's not only Damien who can sing. Uh, <laughs> Oh, well, never mind. Never mind. So much for... Uh, I'll stop trying to copy you, Damien, because I always fail. Uh, but, but here we have Jezebel. Uh, <clears throat> not a literal Jezebel, but some woman in the church. And she must have been uh, a strong lady. The, the only other person in Scripture we, we read of who came from Thyatira was... Lydia, the seller of purple in Acts 16. Okay, and she was a strong woman because Paul didn't want to stay with her. But after she was converted, she said, you're staying with me while you're here. Uh, And uh, he thought it better just to uh, say thank you very much. Yes. So so, uh, Thyatira produced strong women. And uh, this one, well... If she's called, Jezebel, you remember, was a pagan princess who married uh, King Ahab, and she brought with her, I think it was 450 priests of Baal and 400 priests of Astarte. Baal was a, a male god of fertility, and Astarte was a female god of fertility. And she worked incredibly hard to see the faith of Jehovah overturned. She was a real challenge, and Elijah, at one time in conflict with her, just wanted to die. He was so depressed. But of course, the Lord overcame. So here was this woman, and what do we see about her? We see that she claims to be a prophetess. Uh, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. She was a self-appointed uh, prophetess. She claimed in the church to have a direct line with God. And she taught what she claimed 
to receive directly from the Most High. And, and so uh, the, the text says she teaches and misleads, and she leads her followers to sexual immorality, eating food uh, and eating food sacrificed to idols. And God has given her time to repent. Now, what's all this stuff about food exercised to idols? We get it in Corinthians. We get it here. We get it in the previous uh, letter. Uh, the teaching out this is where uh, chapter 2 and verse 14, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols. You, you get it in Acts 15, when the, uh, the, the elders meet in Jerusalem and uh, they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to, to lay no additional burden upon you and you get that phrase in this uh, uh, letter too, other than, and one of the things, the few things they're told to avoid is meat sacrificed to idols. Now, what's the local circumstances behind that? And th they tell us that the inscriptions and whatever evidence we have uh, from Thyatira are to do with um, the professional guilds, the trade guilds. It was a center of commerce. And uh, think of a, a professional association, uh, the Law Society, the BMA, or a trade union, anyone you like. Uh, th th these are associations of people who have similar jobs and who find in solidarity to one another they can get better, uh, you know, uh, conditions and all that kind of thing. Ministers have a trade union too, and an excellent one, but I won't go into that now. Uh, so, so these trades had a patron deity, and uh, every so often, the local branch, interestingly, the NUJ, National Union of Journalists, it calls its local branch the chapel. Are you a member of the NUJ? No, we needn't answer that. That's all right. Okay. Uh, they, they, they call their local branch the chapel. Well, I won't go off into why they do that. That's interesting but irrelevant for this time. Um, th so the, the, when they met together, they would have... A, uh, a small act of worship to their deity and then they ate food that, which they have dedicated to him. And usually after the celebration there may have been a bit of hanky-panky and you get the sexual immorality reference, although that may be not literal but more metaphorical of just going into idolatry. Now, the issue was this. What should a Christian do? And I think this is where the rubber hits the road for us. What should we do professionally? We are involved with people who aren't Christians. 
What should we do? And this is where ministers have very little to say. Why? Because, well, just speaking for myself, apart from three months as a bus conductor when I was a student and a few months with, uh, in the office of Cyril Lord's Carpets, I haven't uh, had a, a decent job, ordinary job, in 50 years. So I don't know. But isn't there a problem here? Isn't there a problem here? How do people cope with these kinds of things, the challenges with your professional body presents to you, or the, 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 the ethics of your particular company? I have no idea how bankers uh, cope with what's been going on with banks, because it seems to be not just immor immoral, but amoral. Absol and the stories that are coming out, horrendous. Now, how do people cope with these when they know them? And if they blow the whistle, let's face it, everybody applauds a whistleblower, but usually the whistleblower is hammered afterwards. Now, these are fundamental issues which, can I say, you have to face you have to face. Uh, ministers face other challenges, but you have to face these. And I wonder, do, do people cope with them by compartmentalizing their lives? There's one bit, which is my professional life, and that's separate from my private life. And Christ rules my private life, but not so sure about professionally because that would create all kinds of problems. I don't know how we deal with that, but that was the issue they were facing, and that is the issue which I think so many people who are employed or self-employed have to face. Perhaps the way we do it is ministers can expound the Scriptures can give general principles and so on, but it's, it's groups of people who face the same challenges. Christians need to meet together, support one another, whatever. I, I, I'm just throwing these kinds of things out. But that brings me to the, the other challenge which comes out of this, to Bloomfield. And what is that? Well, let me call it the danger of being tolerant. Bloomfield likes to think we are not a crowd of spiritual headbangers. We're not like the tight so-and-sos. We are a very orthodox, yes, but we're a nice, tolerant congregation. And what do we read in verse 20? Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now that got me thinking, how tolerant should we be? How tolerant should we be? Well, clearly, anybody who comes to worship here, we are tolerant, we're more than tolerant, we welcome them, whoever they are. 
Right? Wrong? Not sure? Well, I would say if we're following the Lord, he was a friend of publicans and sinners. He had the riffraff, and if the riffraff want to come with us, we receive them. Do we not? And I've been speaking to people I wanted to visit, and one, one fellow said to me, I, he said, why do you want to visit me? I said, well, I just want to go and pray with you in your house. And he said, well, actually, I'm an agnostic, but I like to come along. Well, I said, you keep coming, boy. But I didn't go and pray with him because he, didn't, he wasn't ready for that. We don't know who's here and where they are, but we want everybody who wants to come to come and sit under the sound of the gospel. Do we not? I think we do. But do we want to tolerate Jezebels, be they female or Balaam's, be they male? I don't think we do if we're going to be biblical. Now, how do we work our way through that? I don't have the time to sketch that tonight. But I'm just raising the issue. Raising the issue. We had an, an excellent presentation here in Life Builders uh, on uh, the whole issues of divorce and uh, all of that uh, this morning. Well, w w what if somebody comes along who takes a, a very strong anti uh, uh, pro abortion view? Do we uh, let them uh, come? I suppose it depends on how disruptive they are. What happens if somebody very disruptive comes into a home group? Now, now these, are, these are difficult issues, but we've got to wrestle with them, and we, mustn't, we must be as tolerant as our Lord is, and no more. Isn't that right? Okay, the, the, uh, I must draw to a, a, a close, and I'm, I'm sorry that this is more throwing out issues than resolving them. But then we come to the, the final point. That there's lots here, but the final point I just want to make up is the, the reward. Those who haven't followed Jezebel, who said, we don't believe you are a prophetess, and the Scriptures give us criteria by which we can judge those who claim a direct line with God, but we can't deal with that tonight. Uh, what's promised to them? What are they to do? Now I say to the rest of you who do not hold to our teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, verse 24, verse 25, hold on to what you have. Hold on. Now many of us, I think, got uh, great encouragement from the exposition this morning and the thought of the Lord pruning us for our benefit. That gives us a biblical perspective on suffering and things going 
difficulties which we face. We have to say, Lord, what are you teaching me? Why am I having this? Do I need to be cut back because I'm flourishing in the wrong places? Well, I know I flourish in the wrong places and don't flourish in the places where I should. And you're probably the same. And I found that encouraging this morning, as I'm sure many of you do. I know because people have said that they did. So we have to hold on. And he goes on. To him who overcomes, verse 26, and does my will to the end, holding on, I will give authority over the nations. And then later on, he says, uh, I will also give him the morning star. We will have the authority of Christ and the morning star in Revelation 22. Who is the morning star? But Christ himself. So we will have the authority of Christ and the person of Christ. What a wonderful promise. And as we go to the table, let's ask ourselves, what commendation is the Lord giving me? What condemnation is the Lord giving me? What am I tolerating in my personal life and in my professional life that I shouldn't be tolerating. And that should lead us to confession, to seeking the mercy of the Lord and accepting the invitation to share in elements of bread and wine, which some way which we cannot understand, presents to us with the word the person of our Lord to indwell us through faith. So let us pray. I know your works, says the Lord. Lord, that shakes us to our very roots. But the Lord says that he will judge those who follow this woman unless they repent of her ways. And we repent of our sins as we come to you. Give us, we pray, the strength to hold on and may the promise of authority over the nations 
and effective mission and evangelism. And the incomparable gift of yourself. Sustain us, strengthen us, and take us forward. We have ears. May we hear and respond to what the Spirit says to the churches. For Christ's sake, amen. Until that day, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be be with each and every one of you this night and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.